we all have our own path to walk. It may be obstructed, it may be winding, and no doubt it will have peaks and valleys, but it is ours alone. Like onlookers at a marathon, friends and family can offer encouragement along the way, but ultimately we decide the trajectory that we take. In this series, Juliet Doris Williams offers a clear view from her path that may inform your decisions as you move toward finding your faith. One part spirituality, one part real world practicality, and a serious splash of fun. Here's Juliet. Hi, I'm Juliet, and welcome to Finding Faith. I'm the author of two books, one of which is Leaving Church, Finding Faith, Six Steps for Discovering Your Purpose in the World After Leaving the Christian Church, and the primary focus of this podcast. You can find both books and how to contact me on my website at julietdoriswilliams.com. I am here in this space, chatting with you, sometimes about the book, sometimes about other things that may bubble up when we are talking about faith and life and how those two things intersect, because if you're at all like me, they always intersect. Greetings, Finding Faith friends. I am literally preparing and recording this on Resurrection Sunday, or as it is most referenced, Easter Sunday. This holy day, you may say holiday, has always been complicated for me, not because of what it means, more because of how it's practiced. I think it's to do with my personality of always wanting to know the why of things, the why, as it relates to my relationship with church and faith, is what motivated me to study the Bible in a devotional manner for many years before I studied it academically in seminary. The why of church is what drove my curiosity to learn how did all this start? The why of Jesus is what motivated me to pursue Christian ministry for many years until my most unceremonious exit. The why of Jesus is the why I continue to walk the paths of my life in a way that I hope models the way he did the path of love, hope, grace, and mercy. For the longest time, I could not bring myself to say the word Easter. I was, probably still am, a bit of a purist in that I have too much information in my head and too much commitment to the faith to downgrade the event, the message, the impact of the resurrection story to a celebration that incorporates colored eggs, chocolate bunnies, and baskets filled with the yummy goodness of jelly beans, which, note to self, will be on sale after today. Today, and for the last several days, all I hear or have heard is Happy Easter, or I hope you have a happy Easter. A few short years ago, I would have countered with Happy Resurrection Day, or simply say thank you, same to you, because I didn't want to be an asshole and I didn't want to say the word Easter. In my mind, referencing Easter somehow cheapened the impact of what the day meant. I still think that. But I've discovered in my old age the quickest way to move past an uncomfortable, conflict laden moment is to not resist the flow. 
going with the flow is mindfulness practice for me. I am that person that can immediately see what's missing. I'm the what if girl for preparedness. Overprepared is always the way to go. I know that I probably annoy people by pointing out what I see as holes in a given scenario. On one of those personality profiles, I don't remember which, I fit into the observer category. I take in a lot of information and I pay attention to details, both small and large. I haven't decided if that is my innate personality or if this is a trained trauma response. Those of you, those of those, those of us with trauma histories know what I'm talking about when I say that keen observation is a survival skill. That said, now that I am conscious of these personality quirks of mine, I take a deep breath and roll with the happy Easter when it's tossed at me because nobody wants to hear my justification for why I avoid the Easter word. Nobody has time for the big history lesson for how this, the most important day in Christendom, came to be celebrated in such a surfacy, light, and fluffy way. And yes, there is totally a big history lesson on how the resurrection story got mingled with spring festivals more than a few centuries ago. And I am not going to explain it to you because Google is free. What I am going to talk about in this space is what the resurrection story means to me on this side of my leaving church journey. One of my practices now is to listen to my favorite gospel music on my morning commute to work. This is my way of basically grounding myself in purpose for the day. My purpose is to walk in the way of Jesus and be a source of healing and hope for all who cross my path. And since my day job is unpredictable on the regular, I want to make sure that I am prepped and ready for whatever may come my way. Prepped and ready to serve. Prepped and ready to focus my attention on whomever may cross my path, be they teammates and colleagues or be they program participants. Literally anything can happen. Getting into and staying in that right headspace takes a little effort. So I armor up with some praise music and sometimes some SOS spirit prayer on the commute. It helps. One song came up on my queue that I've always, that I've heard many times, but probably never listened to the words beyond the familiar refrain, which starts with, and I'm quoting, take the shackles off my feet so I can dance. I just want to praise you. You broke the chains. Now I can lift my hands and I'm going to praise you. That song, Shackles, subtitled Praise You, and is sung by duo Mary Mary, is what I heard on my commute a few days ago. And I had not paid attention to it before. But that part about Jesus breaking the chains. And in my vehicle, all I could do was lift my hands. Okay, one hand, because I was driving and singing. That I was reminded of the good news that Jesus, through his life, death, and resurrection, broke the chains that binds us. Even the ultimate chain, which is the fear of death. 
the resurrection is all about reminding us all that because of Jesus, death is not the end. Death has lost its sting. Death has no dominion. The Christian faith is entirely based on this good news that Jesus the Christ lived among us, died for us, and rose again to overcome sin, shame, and death. And because he did that, there was no more separation between humanity and our creator God who loves us fiercely. Now, there is a lot of theological debate about the died for us part, and I'm not going to get into that here, and that's not the point that I want to get to today, maybe on another episode. What I will say is there is widespread agreement that Jesus lived, that Jesus was executed by the powers of his day because he disrupted the status quo. There were witnesses to his raised from the dead self and that those witnesses changed the world when they relayed the story and modeled their lives on the way of inclusive love, forgiveness, community, and acceptance. And and I'm speculating here. I believe the original walkers of the way of Jesus lived such powerful lives because they had no more fear. And once fear is gone, all that remains is hope and freedom. I postulate that these early disciples could not help themselves but to tell the story of how the powers that tried to silence Jesus and the way did not win, that death did not win. In fact, by murdering Jesus, all they did was remove the shackles from their hearts and minds and their feet so they could dance and raise their hands in praise. Again, in my mind's eye, they can't help but share this good news that we, representing all of humanity, are free. And this gift of freedom that was given to each of us is meant to be shared in the same way that Jesus shared all that he was by welcoming the stranger, including the outcast, healing the sick, raising the dead, offering only welcome and no condemnation to all in their paths, building a community of universal love and inclusivity. Such was the early church. Learning some of that history was heartbreaking in a way. Knowing how far away from those roots church institution has moved. Worse, how so very far away church institution has moved from that freedom that is the heart of the good news. While this is not an indictment of all churches, the truth is that there is so much restriction and constriction being foist upon humanity by those who call themselves Christians. Yes. There are bright lights in this sea of darkness, this sea of mud and murkiness. An episode or two ago, I made reference to the 613 laws in the book of Leviticus that, according to the church powers that were, humanity is supposed to live by. These laws were written for and to the Jewish community. Nevertheless, these laws have been universally applied to all believers and now even non-believers some of them sound pretty ridiculous for modern times, but churches have split and are splitting over some of those rules. If you're unfamiliar with the Bible, you may have heard of only the first 10 of those 613 rules, commonly known as the Ten Commandments. 
it is curious to me that on what I could would call the holiest of holy days in the Christian tradition, that we don't that we don't see the contradiction in celebrating Jesus who overcame death, who freed humanity from the shackles of the law. Let me restate from the burden of knowing that we cannot keep the law and releasing us from the shame of being unable to keep that law and loving us any old way, however we show up, why celebrate him at all? There there are three, probably more, but three come to mind, biblical references that sums up the gift of what Jesus left us. One verse says that Jesus came to fulfill the law. That is, pay the debt. That's Galatians 2.19. Another tiny verse in the New Testament book of James. Whoever keeps the whole law but stumbles at just one point is guilty of all of it. James 2.10. Another small verse. There is now no condemnation. Romans 8.1. No person in the history of humanity was ever able to keep the whole law. Jesus as the story of the good news goes, freed us, all of humanity, from the debt, which was sin, and price of sin, which was death. Why does our culture, at least the part of the culture that is called Christianity, want to incarcerate us into the system of the law? Haven't we all been freed? Color me confused. We've made the good news of ill effect. We've nullified it. We've said, we don't care about Jesus. We don't care about his life. We don't care about his message. We don't care about his way. We certainly don't care that he rose from the dead. So what? We care more about the law and we want to keep you shackled and burdened with it. And so, yeah, I'm a little itchy about the term Easter because it nullifies and minimizes the massive work that Jesus accomplished on the cross, the freeing of humanity, the collective reconciliation of humanity to our creator, God. We've reduced it to colored eggs, chocolate bunnies, and colorful new outfits. And okay, yeah, don't get me wrong. I do like the jelly beans, but only when they are on sale. So y'all, if I were to do a call to action, I would say, rest. Rest, my friends, you are free. You are loved, not because of anything you did to deserve that love, only because God says so. And you can't pay back that gift of hope and love and grace. You pay it back by paying it forward. Don't hold other humans hostage to laws that you yourself can't keep. And anyone who tries to do that, give them the side eye that they richly deserve and drive on. Find your fellow humans and love on them. We all need it. We all need to be reminded that love came down and dwelled among us. Love showed us the way. No more fear, only freedom, only love. That's the good news. So happy Freedom Day, my Finding Faith friends. The shackles have been removed. Go out and dance. That's all for now. Thanks for listening. Until next time, this is Finding Faith.